In the New Testament, on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says that there were two men and they were talking among themselves and they were trying to figure out all the things that were going on and, and Jesus comes up in the middle of the conversation and, and he says, hey, what, what are y'all talking about? And they said, are you a stranger to Jerusalem? Have you not heard of all the things that are going on? And in Luke 24, 19, he said to them, what things? They said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. In verse number 27, when Jesus wanted to talk about Jesus, the Bible said that he began at Moses and all the prophets. And he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So if it be all right with you, I'd like to start there tonight with Moses and the prophets. If I could direct your attention to the book of Exodus, the second book of Moses. We're going to draw our text tonight from Exodus chapter number 32. And we'll pick up our reading at verse number 7. While you're turning there, I want to give honor to my bishop. I'm so thankful for his voice in my life. And I'm so thankful to know what time it is. What a word we heard this morning. I think it's time tonight for somebody to be born again, somebody to be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. I think that's what time it is. I give honor to my pastor, Pastor St. Clair, as he's in California preaching. And Pastor Cannon, I assure you, sir, if I had known you would be here. You would be up here tonight, sir. What a man of God. I'm so thankful for the Cannons and the work that they are doing for the Lord. Have you found Exodus chapter 32 yet? Praise God. Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 7. Moses has been up on Mount Sinai and the Lord said unto Moses, Go and get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. They have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they have made them a golden calf and have worshipped it. And have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be Thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Surely it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a mighty God. Verse number 15 says that Moses turned and he went down from the mount. And the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua, when he heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, No, it's, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. Verse number 19, And it came to pass, as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf. He saw the sin of the people and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And the Bible says something very interesting right here. It said, in response to seeing the calf, he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Can we say amen to the reading of the word? 
I feel like God's going to do something tonight. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight about when the word was broken. When the word was broken. Would you set your Bibles down and would you slip a hand in the air and ask the Lord to speak to us in this place? Oh God, we come before you. We need to hear the voice of a sovereign God. I pray that you would anoint the lips of your servant tonight to preach your word. Lord, release ministering angels into this room. Let signs, miracles, and wonders confirm your word tonight. We have come with a spirit of expectation. And we believe that something great is about to transpire in this place tonight. If you believe that, would you help me give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord? Would you shout with a voice of triumph? May the Lord richly bless you. You may be seated tonight in the name of Jesus. If you have spent much time at all studying any kind of, of rabbinic texts or rabbinic commentaries, you will find a phrase that it's repeated over and over again. The phrase is, Ain neve mako Moshe mayatz Moshe. It translates to no prophet like Moses since Moses. Now, I'll be honest with you, the first time I heard that statement, Bishop, I thought that's a pretty big statement. You're telling me there's no prophet like Moses since Moses, not Jeremiah, not Isaiah, not Malachi, no prophet like Moses since Moses. I thought, man, that's, you're saying something there. As the case with many things, they didn't just take that out of thin air, but you can find some biblical precedent for that. In Deuteronomy 34 and 10, the Bible said, now this isn't the rabbis, this is the Bible. It says that there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. We're not talking about Joe Schmo here. We're talking about a man of God. We're talking about a prophet of the Lord. Other prophets may have communicated with God in dreams and in visions, but Moses, the Bible said that the Lord spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. From the very beginning of the life of Moses, it was apparent and obvious that the hand of God was resting on his life. Well, how do you know the hand of God was on Moses from when he was born? Well, that, that one's easy. Because the devil tried to kill him before his ministry could ever get started. You know the story. Pharaoh sent out a decree. All the male babies born to the Hebrews. He said, I want them killed. I want them drowned and thrown into the Nile. Church family, you better watch out when society starts killing babies. Because it usually means that there's a deliverer on its way. You better start looking up when you see things starting to go south around you because it usually means there's a deliverer who's about to step onto the scene and there are some things that are about to change. You want to know why the devil fights against new babes in Christ so hard? He knows that if you ever realize the potential that God has placed in your life that you will be unstoppable. He knows that if he can't prevent you from getting to the house of God now, he lets you mature just a little bit. He's not going to be able to lay a hand on you. There will be no stopping the ministry that God has placed into your life. 
I've come to this place to encourage somebody tonight. Somebody that feels like the devil has been fighting you at every step. You feel like the devil has been trying to keep you out of church. He's been trying to keep you from the house of God. And he's been trying to keep you from the things of God. Well, I want to encourage you tonight that if the devil could have killed you, he would have done it a long time ago. But I wish somebody in this place would get the revelation that I'm still here, that I'm still standing. He doesn't have the power that he thinks he does. I wish somebody would begin to dance on the head of that old ugly devil tonight and tell him, you tried to stop me before God could use me, but you already fail. God made it fail. He knew if he could kill you before you got in the church that nobody would be baptized through your ministry. He knew if he could keep you out of the house of God that you'd never pray anybody through. But look what God has done. Somebody say God made it fail. He tried to kill him before his ministry ever started. From the very beginning of his life, the clock was ticking down for Moses. From a Nile, from a basket in the Nile till a burning bush in the wilderness. But before Moses could ever have an encounter with God in the wilderness, Moses had to have a wrestling match with himself in Egypt. Can I pop this in the first gear for like three minutes? I promise I'll preach here in a minute. You know the story that the Bible says the handmaid of Pharaoh's daughter, she comes to the Nile and she brings Moses out of the Nile. That's why they called his name Moses. I've, I've drawn him from the Nile. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 10 that the child grew. And she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became, somebody say became. He became her son. The child grew. He was now old enough to be weaned from his birth mother. And he was taken from a godly home and he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to get the picture of what's happening here. He's not among the Hebrews anymore. He's not among the Israelites anymore. Now he's in Pharaoh's house. All the people he's... I I don't imagine they let the Pharaoh's children play with slaves. I've got a hard time imagining that. The way I see it is he was probably surrounded by other Egyptians. He went to Egyptian classes. He had an Egyptian tutor. Everything and everyone he knew was Egyptian. The language they taught him was Egyptian. The culture they taught him was Egyptian. Everything around him was Egyptian. But something weird happens when you get to verse number 11. Because the Bible says that it came to pass in those days when Moses was Now he's not just growing, now he is grown. That he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. Now hold on a second. This is a young man that grew up in Pharaoh's house. Uh, I thought your your brothers and sisters were Egyptians. What what, what do you mean, Moses, that you looked on your brethren and their burdens? Your, Your brethren aren't slaves. You are the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You became the son of Pharaoh's daughter back in Exodus 2 and verse number 10. What do you mean that these Hebrews are your brethren? Well, something changed in the life of Moses between verse 10 and verse 11. He didn't choose to become the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't choose that. He didn't choose to be taken from a godly home and placed in a worldly environment. That wasn't his fault. There's some people in this place that have stories like that. You didn't choose the environment you were born into. I know everybody's, uh, everybody looks nice tonight, everybody's all dressed up, and everybody looks like they've had a perfect life. 
but you would be amazed at some of the testimonies that are sitting on the pews in this very church tonight. Because there are some people in here who know what it feels like to be born in a home that you didn't choose to be born into. You were born into a home that battled drug addiction, that battled alcohol addiction. You didn't choose that home. But something different happens in verse number 11 because the Bible says Moses is grown. You know what that means? That means Moses is at the age where he can start making some decisions for himself. He may not have chose to become the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he did make this choice recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24. The Bible says that by faith Moses, when he was come to years, somebody say he was grown. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't choose to become the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But when he got to the point in his life where he could start making his own decisions, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know what that means? That means he stood up and said, you can go ahead and count me in with the people of God. I know it looks like I've already got a maid in the world, but go ahead and mark me down with the people of God. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight that it doesn't matter if you were born in the world and it doesn't matter if you were raised on a pew. At some point in your life, you are going to have to make the decision for yourself. Whose team am I on? Who are my brothers and who are my sisters? There are some people in this room. You may have been born into a family where your daddy was an alcoholic. But I want to tell you, you can make a different choice tonight. You can start choosing to live for God. You may have been born into a home of drug addiction and bondage. But you can choose a different life for you and your family. You may not have been able to choose where you were born and where you are from, but you are standing this Sunday night at a moment of decision where from this day forward, you're going to have to choose who will you serve. I I never got to meet either of my grandfathers on my, my mom's side or my dad's side. As far as I know, Bishop, they were both alcoholics that were useless and they died before I was born. That could have been my legacy. My daddy wasn't raised in a, in a healthy home. My daddy was raised in a broken home. But I thank God that somewhere down the line, even though his daddy didn't love truth, even though his daddy didn't love the things of God, he stood up and he squared his shoulders and said, my daddy may not have done it, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And now his son is an apostolic preacher. But it starts with a man or a woman who will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord you don't have to stay in the bondage of your home you don't have to stay in the bondage that you were born under you may not have chosen that and I know you didn't choose that there are some things that have happened in your life that wasn't your fault and wasn't your decision but you are at a new moment tonight you can make a fresh decision for your life I'm going to serve the Lord So Moses makes his choice, Hebrews 11 and 25. The Bible said that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And when Moses had made that choice, he found himself on the backside of a mountain. 
And I, I wish I could reach through the story and say, hey, Moses, keep your head up. Hey, don't, I, I know some things in your life have shifted. I know you've made some tough decisions, but you just hang in there. I know you used to live in a palace, but now it looks like you're deserted on the backside of a mountain. But you just hang in there, Moses, because you're about to have an encounter with God that is going to change everything. And while he's on the backside of this mountain, he looks over and he sees something strange, Brother Snow. He sees a bush that the Bible says is burning with fire. But the miracle isn't that it's burning. Bushes burn all the time. Things go up in flames all the time. People's lives fall apart all the time. People get unstable and unsituated all the time. But the miracle is that the bush burned, but it was not consumed. And it's amazing to me the things that God will do to get our attention. Sometimes he has to let some things burst into flames around us. Sometimes he has to let some things be shaken. Sometimes he has to let some things be stirred up in our life. But I want to remind you that you are here tonight. And it may look like everything's falling apart, but you're not consumed. God has brought you here for a reason because he's about to speak. And he comes to this bush that is burning and he thinks, what on earth is going on here? And God speaks to him out of the fire. He says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're about to step on holy ground. You're about to step into a new season, Moses. Because this is what happens when you make a choice to forsake the things of the world. And you make the choice to turn to God. It may look a little bumpy because the devil's going to start fighting you. Because he knows he better get you soon or he won't get you at all. But he said, you better take off your shoes because you're about to step into a new season. God starts to tell him the most miraculous plan ever heard by the ears of man. He said, there are going to be miracles, signs, and wonders, Moses. Moses, you're going to be the one to lead all of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Water is going to turn to blood. There's going to be frogs and lice. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be great signs in the sky. You're going to have to take blood and put it on your doorpost and, and cover your lentil. You're going to have to go inside and eat a lamb. And I don't know about you tonight, but I still believe that the only way to get out of Egypt is to be covered by the blood and to be full of the lamb. I believe it. You've got you to gotta be covered by the blood. And fool the lamb. Now, now you're, not, you're really not going to believe this part, but Moses saw everything that God said he would see. It's almost like when God starts speaking to you, you can go ahead and write it down. Because when God starts promising you some things in your life, it's going to happen exactly the way God said it was going to happen. He saw the Nile River turn to blood. He saw God prove himself against the Egyptians. He saw the Red Sea split open. He watched as God threw the horse and the rider into the sea. He watched the deliverance of God. And he goes up to Mount Sinai. And it's there where he begins to talk with God and Moses receives the most precious gift that has ever been given to humanity. Exodus 33 and 18 says that the Lord gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Can you imagine seeing that? You're standing there in the mountain surrounded by the glory of God. And a hand manifests out of the thin air and starts writing on the stone and starts writing words you've never heard before. 
and starts writing commandments. He starts writing life on this rock. And then that hand reaches into the mountain and breaks that rock out of the mountain. And that hand places it in your hands. And you are holding the word of God. The most precious gift ever given to humanity. At this point, Moses, surely Moses was thinking, I've seen it all. I hope he didn't think that though because he would have been wrong. Because right about that time, right when he was in the most spiritual place he'd ever been in his life, the voice of God comes and says, Moses, you need to get down from this mountain because the people you brought out of Egypt, they've made a calf. They've sacrificed to it. They've worshipped it. They've turned so quickly, they're back on the God who brought them out. You know, sometimes I wish the Bible would tell us what people were thinking in the word. I really do. I really wish I could go into the mind of Moses in this moment and hear what is running through his mind. What is he thinking as God is saying, you need to get off this mountain because they've turned their back on me already. I wonder if a principle from the book of Leviticus began to run through his mind. Because God said, Moses, you need to get out of the way. I'm about to destroy these people. Remember, Moses has been up. Is everybody okay? I know we're in first gear for a second. Moses has been up getting the law of God. I wonder what's running through his mind. Maybe he realized that there's a reason God was about to destroy the people. Because there's a principle that appears all throughout the book of Leviticus. It's in Leviticus chapter 6, chapter 11, chapter 15. This is the principle. A corrupted vessel must be broken. A vessel corrupted by sin must be broken. Leviticus 6.25, speaking to Aaron and to his son, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. Somebody say, Sin. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. Leviticus 6.28, But the earthen vessel, if any of the sin offering gets in the earthen vessel, it shall be It shall be broken. But if it's in a brazen pot, well, then it can be scored and rinsed in water. What what, what are you talking about? Earthen vessels and and pots. Anytime sin gets to an earthen vessel, the vessel must be broken. Why? Because earthen vessels are not like any other kind of vessel. When a vessel is made out of earth, whatever you put into that vessel, it absorbs a little bit of it. You put some water into the vessel, it's going to absorb some water. You put wine in that vessel, it's going to absorb some of the wine. You put sin into the vessel, and it's going to absorb some of the sin. Need I remind you tonight that the Bible said the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth. You and I are earthen vessels. That's why when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's not just something you contain, but it's something that changes you from the inside out. Because when you add the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of the Holy God, down inside of an earthen vessel, it starts absorbing into your innermost being. You start walking a little differently. You start talking a little differently. You start dressing a little differently. You start acting different because you've absorbed. You've absorbed it into your vessel. But the principle holds true for sin. That's why you can't just have fornication and adultery and witchcraft on the television and shut it off and think it's just gone. Because it absorbs a little bit into your vessel. 
That's why you can't listen to worldly music all day. And when you shut it off, wonder why you're still fighting depression and still fighting anxiety. It's because those spirits have absorbed into the earthen vessel. And the Bible was clear. Anytime that sin gets into an earthen vessel, there's no fixing it, Bishop. You can't just wipe it off. The vessel must be broken. Maybe that's why the psalmist was so adamant. He said, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. Because he realized if I want peace in my life, I'm going to have to protect the vessel. If I want the peace of God, if I want the presence of God in my home, I'm going to have to protect the vessel. Because if I let one thing, oh, it's just one little thing, preacher. No, 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 you don't understand. If anything gets in the vessel, it will absorb into the vessel. And I can't help but wonder, as Moses was standing there, he saw the sin of the people. If he realized, Bishop, corrupted vessels have to be broken. And God said, the people have corrupted themselves. And God said, Moses, get out of my way. I'm about to destroy every one of these people. Because you know as well as I do, corrupted vessels must be broken. Now, if this was any other man, he probably would have said, okay, God. Don't, don't let me get in your way. If this was any other man, if it would have been me, I think I would have said, okay, God, just don't hit me while you're at it. But not Moses. There was no prophet like Moses since Moses. And Moses started looking around and said, but God, surely there's another answer. But God, surely there has to be something else. You didn't bring the people out of Egypt just to kill them now. God, there's got to be something else we can do. And I don't know how it happened, Bishop. I don't know when the moment happened in his mind. I, I don't know exactly how it transpired. All I know is what the Bible records for us. And the Bible says that Moses was holding in his hands the most precious gift ever given to humanity. He was holding the word of God. And something in the prophetic imagination of Moses flipped the switch that day. And as he looked at the people and he looked at the word... He realized maybe there is an alternative. Maybe there's something that I can do to spare these people. The law says they should be broken, but, but I, I think there's something I can do. And the Bible said that Moses lifted the word and he broke the word beneath the mount. And when the word was broken... The people were spared. I don't know exactly how it happened. I don't know exactly the moment it transpired, but Moses unlocked something in the supernatural realm that day. He unlocked an alternative to broken people. There was something that, that moved in the atmosphere that day. There was something that changed once and for all. When the word was broken, something changed. Because now there was an alternative to broken people. The prophet said, the rabbi said, no prophet like Moses since Moses. But can I tell you what the Bible said? Can I tell you what Moses said? Deuteronomy 18 and 15. Moses said, the Lord thy God, he will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like me. And unto him you shall hearken. 
I know the rabbi said there's, there, there, there's no prophet like Moses since Moses, but you just, you just wait a second because there's coming somebody who's going to be like me. But he's not just going to be like me. He's going to be greater than I am. Here's how Isaiah said it would happen. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, he said, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it wasn't too many years later when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Joseph, don't be worried, because what God is doing in the womb of your wife is by the Holy Ghost and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 21 and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus why for he shall save his people from their sins and for the first time there was a prophet like Moses But this prophet wasn't just like Moses. No, no, no. He was greater than Moses. Because this man wasn't just a prophet. He was God manifest in the flesh. This Jesus walked on the earth for 33 years. He performed miracles, signs, and wonders. He started preaching that the kingdom of God isn't just coming, but the kingdom of God is at hand. He told them to go tell John all that they had seen and heard. He said, you go tell John. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead live again. They came by the hundreds to see him. They came by the thousands because they knew if I could just get close to this Jesus, something is going to change in my life. I want to tell somebody tonight that you can spend your whole life looking for something better, but you're never going to find anything like my Jesus. You can spend your whole life looking for healing. You'll never find a healer like Jesus. You can spend your whole life looking for deliverance, but you will never find a deliverer like my Jesus. You can go to every drug rehab center in this country. You'll never find a healer like Jesus. You can go to every doctor. You can spend every last penny. You can go for 12 years with an issue of blood. But you're not going to find any answer like the answer of getting close to Jesus. There is nobody like my Jesus. How do you describe a man like that? I don't think I would have the words if I would have walked with Jesus. Where do you start? Do you start with the miracles? Do you start with the signs? Do you start with the teachings? Do you start with his cool sandals? I mean, where do you start with the I'm telling you right now, Jesus had cool sandals. And I'm going to throw this in there for free. Jesus wasn't wearing hey dudes. If you were there Friday night, you, you're welcome. I'm, I'm still not over that yet. Where do you start with a guy like Jesus? Well, the Bible says that there was a disciple that Jesus loved. His name was John. And John thought it was a pretty good idea just to start at the beginning. He said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, now, just in case that's not big enough for you to see, which if it's not, I suggest you go see the eye doctor or come up here and get prayed for. 
because it's pretty big. But just in case you didn't see it, it didn't say that the word was subordinate to God. It wasn't Jehovah Junior. He said the word was with God and the word was God. Verse number four said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I really like verse number 14, because it said that the word was made flesh, and it was the word that dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what John was telling us? He was telling you that it was the word that was born of a virgin girl it wasn't the word who performed miracles signs and wonders it was the word who turned water into wine it was the word who fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fishes it was the word that healed the lame and raised the dead it was the word in flesh and it was the word who sat down for what history would record as his last supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23, Paul is writing and he says, The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he, somebody say the word. And when the word had given thanks, he break it. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. I've come to tell somebody tonight that when the word was broken, he was broken for you. He didn't do this for the angels. He didn't do this for the beasts of the field or the fowls of the air or the fish of the sea. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it for any other purpose but for you. Because he knew you would be in a church service on a Sunday night at FPC Anderson. And he knew that your vessel had been corrupted by this evil world. Bishop told us about it this morning. We live in a dark time, in a dark world. We've all been born in sin and shaping in iniquity. But Jesus looked down and said, Moses, you are lock the door now let me step through it take eat this is my body which is broken for you somebody say it was for me he didn't have any sin that required him to be broken the bible said he who knew no sin he became sin it was your transgressions It was your iniquities that put the bruises upon him, that put the stripes upon his back. He didn't do it for any other reason but because he knew that you would be spared if the word was broken. That same night, he was betrayed. They came and arrested him. They drug him before Caiaphas and they accused him before Pilate. They beat and bruised him. They spat on him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. They drug him up a hill called Golgotha. And these soldiers, these Roman soldiers, they took the most precious gift that has ever been given to humanity. God manifest in flesh. They took the word and they they stretched him out upon that cross. They drove nails through his hands. They drove a nail through his feet. The Bible said that they 
lifted up the word. And when the word was broken, the Bible said that the earth shook. When the word was broken, the Bible said that there was darkness in the land. When the word was broken, the Bible said that the veil rent in twain in the temple. And I've come to tell somebody tonight that when the word was broken, you no longer had to be. When the word was broken, you no longer had to be broken by addiction. You no longer had to be broken by alcoholism. You no longer had to be broken by sin. You no longer had to be broken by drugs. You no longer had to be broken by depression. You no longer had to be broken by anxiety. Because when the word was broken, it was broken for you. And when the word was broken, you no longer had to be you believe it somebody shout to the Lord I've come to preach to some broken people tonight because you might have walked in this house broken but you don't have to leave that way you might have walked in this house with broken emotions and broken mind but you don't have to leave that way tonight you might have walked in this house with a broken family and a broken relationship and a broken heart but I'm telling somebody that God was manifest in flesh and the word was broken so that you no longer had to be I always wondered why on that Mount of Transfiguration why Jesus felt it necessary to bring Moses there. I can't help but wonder while they're standing on that Mount looking at each other face and face like the Bible said they had spoken so many times if Jesus just reached over put his hand on the shoulder of Moses. He said, you know, you didn't. You didn't know what you were doing maybe when you did it. Maybe you didn't fully realize what was happening. But when you lifted up the word, you were fulfilling future prophecy. And when they lifted me up, I would draw all men unto me. And when you lifted up that word and you break that word beneath the mount, you open something in the supernatural. And I just wanted you to know that it's about to happen again. But this time it's not just going to be temporary. This time it's not just going to push sin back. This time it's not just going to make it okay for a little while. No, no, no. But when this word is broken, it will be the last time anything ever has to be broken. Because that one breaking is what paved the way for you. And that one break is what paved the way for me as the music begins to make their way tonight these altars are open I'm reaching for someone in this house where you have been fighting in your mind you feel like you have been broken you don't understand how all the pieces are going to come together but I've come to tell you tonight you don't have to worry about that anymore because you may have walked into this house broken but you don't have to leave that way Would you stand with me all across this house tonight? Would you just begin to lift your hands and magnify the God who was broken in place of you? The law said it should have been you that died for your sins. The law said you should have paid the price for it. But Jesus said, hold on. Before you you enact the punishment, before you break the vessel, I'll stand in their stead. 
You don't have to stay broken tonight. If you've been fighting things in your mind, if you've been fighting depression and fighting anxiety, you don't need to leave this house until you've been made whole by the blood of Jesus. If you've never repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus and been filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't need to leave this house until you've done it tonight because you don't have to live broken. You don't have to live wounded. You don't have to live hurting because when the word was broken he was broken for you I wonder if you just reach across the aisle wherever you are. And if you'd connect with somebody right now. If you would just thank God with them for his sacrifice. If you would just begin to thank God with them. Oh, for the breaking of the word. And if you feel something broken inside of that person. Why don't you just begin to plead the blood of Jesus over their mind today. Why don't you begin to plead the blood of Jesus over their life. And over their family. If you know about a situation of brokenness. Why don't you begin to call it out before the the Lord why don't you begin to speak the name of Jesus over it because it doesn't have to be broken it might look that way right now it might feel that way right now but it doesn't have to stay